The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Hello, this is Music Weekly and I'm Kieran Yates. This week, Alexis is still delirious on his recovery pills, but sends in a report on Duck Rock. Plus tracks from St. Vincent, Quabs and Banks. All here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. I'm joined by Rebecca Nicholson and Tim Jones today. Hello. Hi. What have you guys been up to? Me and Rebecca went to Taylor Swift, didn't we? We did. We spent Saturday night at the O2 watching Taylor Swift. One of the greatest nights of my life. I think you similarly enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. I've never seen anything like really? it before yeah. in my life. What was the demographic of the fans? Eight-year-old girls and a few mums. Yeah. And like uh, a couple of really sad dads. <laughs> and then me and And then me, and me and <laughs> uh, It's funny because I was sat with a girl who was taking her nephew and she kept kind of turning around and like laughing at the whole thing like as if to say why am I here yeah but like she, I don't think she quite realized that she was talking to someone who was there because they I, I wasn't with a little kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah while well, you're weeping with joy like, yeah. shit, <laughs> she was like why has he brought his own banner <laughs> that was the thing it was full of homemade banners and homemade t-shirts all these kids just loved her like oh you could just see all these girls kind of sit standing there with the banners that they'd made that all had all flashing lights on and everything just like mouthing every word and it was really it was really impressive and I felt really kind of like it would be really easy to be cynical about it because it was lots of like motivational speaking really wasn't it Mm. she kept giving lots of speeches about how it's all right to be yourself and all this stuff Mm. but then seeing the reaction from these girls who genuinely are totally just enthralled to her it was it was sort of amazing it made me really uncynical actually I thought it was brilliant I mean everyone wanted to be her did you even I did by the end (laughs) I had little cat ears on hot pants (laughs) (laughs) what else has been going on this week I was supposed to go and see Jarrell Twister and Fat Joe at the O2 last Friday and then I was going to have this whole thing about how R&B is back and it's brilliant, but then it got cancelled and so I've got nothing to say about that. Oh no, why did it get cancelled? Because of visa issues. Ugh. R&B is not back. But Timberland is doing Jodeci's new album, so maybe it is. Oh, but Timberland's no good these days. <laughs> Timberland hasn't done anything good for years. I saw Justin Timberlake at the O2 a few years ago and Timberland was supporting him. I say supporting him, it was just, it was so bad. I mean, he's not a performer, really. But I also don't think his production has been up to much for a really long time. I can't remember the last thing that Timberland did that I thought, oh, great. Justin Bieber's album is far superior to the 50-50 experience anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Did Timberland do the 50-50 experience? Yeah, he did some of it, didn't mm-hmm. he? Did yeah. he? And the Jay-Z album. Did he? Oh, I didn't know he'd done the 2020. All right, I take it back, Timberland. But then I think he always works <laughs> best <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> But then I think he always works best with, like, he get, he chooses someone, doesn't he? And then ha- obviously has that rapport, which he does with Justin Timberlake. And does with Nelly Furtado. When's Nelly Furtado going to do some new stuff with Timberland? <laughs> Bring her back. Um, let's when talk R&B about, comes back. <laughs> let's talk about Prince last night. Yeah, well, it was quite good, didn't it? Prince is back, isn't he? Yeah. In the UK. I just don't want to go to a gig where there's lots of extended jams. I read the review and it said, mostly new stuff, and it finished at 1am. <laughs> So for those of you that don't know, he played a surprise gig at the Electric Ballroom in Camden last night. 
and it was very exciting. Did, how did people know about it? It was announced on Twitter or something, wasn't it? Didn't he do a press conference in Leanne yeah. Lahavis's house? Oh, yeah, yes. but then the press were invited. So like, <laughs> that technically is just going around to Leanne Lahavis's house. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And she's supporting him on the UK tours. Is this, that what? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I just thought he'd pick someone. <laughs> like Taylor Swift pulling a pop star up every night to do her. I thought he'd chosen her. But yeah, it was all closed off, that was. But yeah. There's yeah. snippets of it, though. Fact was streaming um, like a couple of minutes of the show last night where he had the like Diamante Kane and did the play the funky music um cover and stuff. Which looked it did look pretty good. But yeah, if you're not into extended jams then maybe it's not for you to I'm just not into um staying up till one AM on a school night. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I say this, but Prince coming to London was really exciting last time he did it and did the I mean, what was it, like seven hundred and twenty five nights at the O two. And that was a real kind of felt like a real event. I don't know if it, maybe it's just me, but I don't know if there's quite as much excitement this time around. It doesn't feel as exciting as it did. But. Are you more excited about the fact that he was on New Girl? No, well, see, I feel a little bit like he's doing so much at the moment, like Leanna Havis's house and New Girl and all this stuff. It's a bit like when Kate Moss first started to talk, <laughs> and you're just like, oh. <laughs> I preferred it when you didn't I think I think I preferred it when he was all sort of mysterious and he was a bit above all of a that, bit above he? it yeah. and now he's on Twitter and sort of I don't know I like a mysterious prince rather than chatty prince <laughs> <laughs> but you're excited about the tours and things and if he's doing Glastonbury it, I mean it would be great I think what would be good about it is it would be very controlled he'd have to do, do the hits. hits you know and he'd put on a great show it's not like one of these people who's like oh can they handle do Glastonbury they know how well. to yeah exactly he'll know exactly how to pull that off so the Super Bowl happened, yes. which is a big thing in the States. And Red Hot Chili Peppers did the halftime show this time. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that it was, no, it was no Beyonce. But they had a little bit of a scandal because they did a bit with Bruno Mars. And then the implication was that their guitars weren't plugged in. And so they weren't playing live. Lots of speculation about that. And then Fleas has said today that they weren't playing live. It was a pre-recorded track. Is anyone bothered? About miming. <laughs> when Disclosure played, where was it that they played and everyone said your laptops aren't plugged in? And they <laughs> said, yeah, it's a joke so that you know that we're not playing live. I have so. to imagine why anyone would care. I mean, it's a Super Bowl halftime show. Or- you just want to see a show, don't exactly. you? Exactly. But on, on the flip side, I don't mind if a big pop star who's doing loads of dancing and stuff mimes because I just think it's it's easier. You, you, yeah. I'd rather see the dancing and the sort of spectacular than, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that they can sing and tune consistently for 15 minutes. But isn't Red Hot Chili Peppers' whole thing that they're like real bands? Real music. Yeah. The thing with Beyonce miming was that she was offering other things because she was like dancing and performing, whereas yeah. if the only thing you've got to do is play the guitar on stage. Why <laughs> is that hard? I don't know. We saw Red Hot Chili Peppers, didn't we? Um, I've, bl- I've blacked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the middle I of a sandstorm or something. I think so, yeah. Where Coachella. was this? Coachella, was Coachella a couple of years ago. One of my least favourite gigs of all time, I think. I'm not a fan. It did go on for forever. Obviously, you won't be able to see this, but Tim has just sunk into his chair with the memory of it. <laughs> I, went, I went to a festival last year and saw The Cure perform for three hours. And they then, do the hits. Yeah, they do the hits. It was, it was really depressing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and people were just giving out board games and things to play because people were getting bored towards the end. Well, everyone was living it at Coachella, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, it was that's just us, I think. I felt really kind of... That's quite difficult when you feel quite outside of what everybody else is liking, though, yeah. isn't it? I didn't really mind, though. No, I felt above everyone in the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like a better person, more rounded music taste, slightly more refined character than all these other idiots. (laughs) I did not feel like like that. (laughs) Let's move on to Singles Club. Rebecca, your track first. Yes. 
That was Digital Witness by St. Vincent. Rebecca, tell us about why you brought that in. I brought it in. St. Vincent is one of my favourites at the moment. I really like her a lot. And this is off her new album, which is out in a couple of weeks, I think. It's self-titled fourth album. And she said in all of the kind of run-up to the release that she wanted to make, I think it was a party record for a funeral or something like that. Mm. It's so much dancier than any of her stuff has been before, and I'm really into it. She made an album with David Byrne a couple of years ago, and there was a lot of brass on that, and this is sort of similarly brassy and funky, and it's got that kind of Talking Heads funk feel Mm. to it, but I just think it's brilliant. I have had many a morning recently where I've had this on my headphones and sort of makes me really like stomp down to the tube with full purpose it's really kind of gets you going and the video has just come out the video is brilliant video is really good it looks a bit devo-y and a bit kind of future craftwork devo i'm Mm -hmm. really into it i think it has the best opening few seconds of any song i've heard for ages like because when that when i first heard it it was on a sampler and it was the first track on it and it's such an immediate Mm. kind of brilliant thing for a song to start with that that i can't believe the album's not going to start with that song i think it's in the middle yeah it's halfway through it's such such a I just think it's such an amazing opening and and what you said about the funk as well I think it's such a tightly wound up neurotic white person funk isn't it do you know what I mean where it's got all the tightness of funk but not the kind of the swing and the looseness to it it's a bit coiled well this is people always the, the there was an interview with her in the observer on sunday and i was reading the comments and people's take seemed to be that they always thought that she was a bit too weird or arty or sort of willfully difficult for them mm. and they'd never really got into her before because she's quite cerebral i think and a lot of the mm. lyrics tend to have a sort of literariness to them um but not so much on this record actually i think this is probably as accessible as she's been yeah. at any point. And it's still pretty damn weird. Yeah. Do you think? Well, yeah, I think it's pretty it's, weird. I think it's quite hard to do that existential anxiety of singing about what, what's the point of anything while still like having all those funk details and being quite poppy and having quite lots you know quite a lot of theater in it like i think that all of those could so easily just be too eccentric and too weird but yeah yeah it, it sort of sounds like it all fits together quite nicely on this it does. Good. I think it's about the internet as well and how it kind of takes away from me. But yeah, yeah. Is it a hit? Do you? Do you? Are you both fans? It's a hit. It's a hit. It's a hit for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've gone into top of the box. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh no, maybe not the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <70s. laughs> that definitely didn't happen. Um, yeah, no, it's good. And also, she's you know she's got that kind of weirdness, but it, it doesn't feel as well. I don't know. I don't feel like it feels like a it's as contrived as someone like Lord, because her, her sort of awkward Grammy performance is seared into my brain now. Um, I don't know if that's authentic or if that is contrived, but I feel like this is a lot more palatable than that sort of awkwardness. Yeah. You know, in the video, it's like this visual feast, but she still feels like she's quite removed from everything. Well, she she's feels a lot, outside of it. To me, I mean, it feels like an artist who is doing the sort of third, fourth album thing. She's confident mm-hmm. um, and knows what she's doing. It's a really great album as well. It's a really, really good one. And I think hopefully it will be the point at which people can 
get into her because it isn't quite so odd as the rest of it. Yeah, is this what? Well, how does the rest of the album sound? This? Not like this. This is the. I think this is probably the most like straightforwardly funky one. But a lot of it's upbeat and a lot of it's dancey and um, some of it sounds like. Uh, sort of take a bow we're a Madonna which mm. is amazing mm. I love it so yeah really even good. the ballads on the album are really tuneful like, yeah. they're all really good pop songs which but I don't think she's really toned down the weird production that much it's still pretty odd I think all the way through in parts but yeah just with better melodies cool it's a hit <laughs> <laughs> next up is Tim's Choice because everything's a game always trying to calculate trying to smart but not too smart to threaten anything they say that was brain by banks I really love this uh, song because I still listen to quite a bit of The Weeknd and obviously the lyrics to something like that are a bit dubious a lot of the time. It's like, oh no, do I really have to sleep with more strippers? It's so hard. <laughs> Whereas, and I like that Banks is kind of turning the tables with this and just calling a guy out and, and there's a good line that says, I can see you struggling, don't hurt your brains, trying to think of what you have to say in front of your mm. gang. You know, it's about peer pressure and, and just finding someone a bit pathetic because of that, which I just think is, is, is good. And I, I like the, the production's great. I like the way it builds. And she's almost like shouting at the end, isn't it? Where mm. her other stuff has been a bit more restrained, where she sounds kind of quite angry on this. It's slow-mo who has produced it oh, who I've no, I, didn't, I didn't know but I was reading up on also done remixes for Robot Cock and LOL Boys <laughs> yeah. so, and that doesn't make me feel old <laughs> yeah he, he produced the last Jeremiah EP as well and it was really really incredible I think a lot of this music also it, it gets kind of a reputation for being a bit kind of just a bit blur. it's just like weak and weedy and mm. up in the air but I think this is quite a tough song, actually. I think there's quite a lot of emotional toughness going on. Yeah, well, in that clip, you don't hear that turn when she sort of completely breaks out of that restraint mm-hmm. and just sort of has this, you know, really kind of angry period of singing it out, which is really good, so you should listen to the rest of it too. Becca? Yeah, I, I really like Banks. Um, I think it's really interesting that at the moment there's all this sort of... this pop music that really shows the kind of slow drip effect of the XX because it is quite mm. it's like like Lord as well is kind of post XX pop and it's got that slight minimalism to it although actually when this builds up it sounds more like like a sort of 80s diva rock anthem there's something mm. really a bit Bonnie Tylerish about yeah. it not in a bad way not in a bad way but it does kind of build to sort of really melodramatic mm. like stadiumy rock stuff it's like Tim says I think she's really she's a really good lyricist and I like the take that she has on things which is the same as like before I ever met you essentially it's a breakup song but Mm. she's kind of she's like the tough one in the relationship it's like this she's she's not kind of pathetic about it or needy about it you know like yeah. drake maybe would be yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, you know yeah. she's like the anti-drake not um, needy and pathetic <laughs> <laughs> it's not the drake i know <laughs> um but yeah i like it i like it oh yeah it really made me think about the different kinds of female vocals that your ear gets so used to when you listen to R&B or sort of, you know, electronic R&B that has, has sort of been played out so much over the past year for voices like Kalela and Twigs or those pop female vocals, which is like these massive, big, 
you know, Emily Sande-esque, you know, Katy Perry, Jessie J things. So you have these two things on two sort of disparate sides of either being really restrained and really, you know, over sparse production or really big and just like, you know, too, too much, too much like Jessie J wailing. And this seems like it's a nice sort of middle ground between the two, doesn't it? Because mm. it has got that, like, the restraint, but also has the moment of just letting go. And finally, my track. was Wrong All Right by Quabs. Quabs is a London-based singer-songwriter um, and this is from his EP that was out on Monday of the same name. You know, I really love his voice in this. He's, he's been getting a lot of uh, radio play on stations like Kiss and Capital Extra and One Extra on this track alone and sort of little snippets from the EP. And I think his voice, you know, that sort of rich baritone is really beautiful because it's, you know, I just I love it when male voices are sort of so strong and so rich like that, but still really sweet sounding. I think it's a really hard thing to do without sounding a bit like creepy or contrived. Male R&B artists try and do it a lot where they're like, oh, and you're like, oh, it's creepy. Whereas <laughs> it feels like it's natural. It feels like it's really organic and the production is really crisp and everything just seems like it fits into place really nicely. So, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I like the fact he's got quite a soulful voice, but they haven't just matched it with something from an old era to try and sell it as a very middle of the road thing. Mm. Like, I, like I like the production's got kind of Vince Clarky human league elements to it, which I really like and kind of contrasts with his voice. But it actually gives it more soul. It makes it sound more soulful, I think, by mm. by contrasting with it rather than just fitting with it if that makes sense it's not that plan b thing is it of just sticking a trombone behind it and yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing i would say as a slight the, the, it, it almost does what jesse ware does which i think is just tread a very thin line where it's so it's almost so tasteful mm. and refined that it, it it could be a bit bland maybe i mean i don't think it is i think but yeah. i just think it's i'd worry about where He's gonna go. Yeah, if you if you took away like some bass stabs from this, it would be really generic. I think. Right. That's it? yeah. I I love his voice, which I hadn't heard before. I thought it's really got that nice kind of lived in feel. It's not quite perfect. It's just sort of really kind of soulful and and worn, um, which I really liked. But I felt like the track, like the structure of it for me, it didn't really go anywhere. I was expecting it to do something else, and it mm. sort of it doesn't. It just kind of moves along like with some degree of class, but it doesn't really get anywhere for me. It's all a bit tasteful, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's why it appeals to me, though, because I'm such a classic, classic girl. <laughs> that's just me. I actually really like it. I, I should re-emphasize that. I do think it's a really, a really nice song. Is it a hit? It's a hit. It's a half hit. It's a half hit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Singles Club for this week. Alexis is still recuperating, but it's obviously missing us because he left us a rather long voicemail message giving his thoughts on Malcolm McLaren's 1983 album, Duck Rock, and why we should all listen to it. When Malcolm McLaren died four years ago, most of the obituaries focused on his career as a manager, fashion designer and provocateur. The actual music he made, seven albums in total, tended to be overlooked, beyond noting the fact that the video for his solo single Buffalo Gals offered most Britons their first glimpse of breakdancing. 
You can see why this happened. McLaren's musical ideas often look better on paper than they sounded coming out of speakers, but in the case of his 1983 debut album Duck Rock, it seems a major oversight. Recorded with producer Trevor Horn and the musicians and programmers who went on to become the art of noise, Duck Rock is a fantastic, hugely innovative album that deserves to be seen as far more than just a curious footnote to the Sex Pistols' career. You're listening to the world's famous Supreme Team Show, WHBI 105.9 FM. Chicago, by the name of Harvey, Andy, and Carizel. In a sense, it feels like a period piece today. The various clips from the world's famous Supreme Team's radio show that link the tracks offer a fascinating snapshot of New York's hip-hop scene before the genre became a global phenomenon, when the DJs in question still operated a find-the-lady card game in Times Square by day in order to buy a couple of hours' airtime on a local station. But Duck Rock also seems weirdly contemporary. Its magpie collection of musical ideas from around the world nascent hip-hop rubbing up against sparkling South African guitar, Dominican merengue, country and western and the music of the Afro-Caribbean Lakumi religion sounds not a million miles removed from something gorillas would come up with. McLaren's thought that the sound of scratching was a latter-day equivalent of the power chord was wildly ahead of its time. It would be taken up with gusto by Run DMC, breaking hip-hop onto MTV in the process. You can, if you wish, pick some pretty gaping holes in McLaren's approach. It's not entirely clear exactly what his musical contribution was beyond a handful of spoken word vocals. The recording of the album also broke the cultural boycott of apartheid era South Africa, and McLaren had an alarming tendency to claim composer credits on traditional African music for himself. Duck Rock cost a phenomenal amount of money to make, taking into account that its star turn was, as the journalist Simon Reynolds put it, a Scottish-Jewish North Londoner with absolutely no sense of rhythm pitching himself as a rapper. In that sense, at least, McLaren could claim an antecedent. Beauty Pete, the square dance caller who'd originally recorded Buffalo Gals and Duck for the Oyster in the 1940s, was actually a Manhattanite called Morris Kaufman, Hillbilly Schmilbilly. Duck Rock is, in every sense of the phrase, a curious album. McLaren is no singer, but on a track like Soweto, his vocals genuinely communicate the excitement of hearing something new and electrifying for the first time. On the most basic level, Double Dutch is a daft novelty song about skipping, but it's so effervescent that it becomes irresistible. The instrumentals Obatala and Legba are beautiful. And, even in a world where the kind of activity shown in the video now seems utterly commonplace, rather than utterly bizarre and unprecedented, where hip-hop acts as a kind of glue that holds pop music together, just as it does to the esoteric music on Duck Rock, Buffalo Gals still sounds strange and abstract, the product of a unique mind, just like the album it came from. Four Buffalo Boys go around the outside, round the outside, round the outside, four Buffalo Boys go around the outside. 
was Alexis, full of the joys of Duck Rock. He's hoping to be back in the flesh in a fortnight. And that's it for this week. Thanks, Rebecca and Tim, for coming in. Thank you for having us. Visit theguardian.com forward slash musicweekly for info and links on the show and give us your thoughts. See you next week. Bye. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.